Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated Fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 291, and it's brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Please go to BetOnline.ag and use that code CLNS50. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening whenever you are tuning into this hockey podcast on demand. Uh, I'm your host, Mark Allred. That is Kevin O'Keefe, and that is Mr. Dom Tiano. How are we doing, gentlemen? Doing well. Doing well. How about you, Dom? <laughs> yeah, I... It's going to be a uh, fun podcast. We, uh, I'm a little unprepared. I feel like I got ran over by a truck. Uh, it was a gorgeous day, gorgeous day yesterday on the deck, um, and we cooked on the deck. Courtney and I hung out and had some mini drinks and a lot of fun. And I feel like I'm on the receiving. Uh, I'm Mike Ryan. I'm Mike Ryan at the TD Garden against the boards, and Milan Lucic just put me through the glass. That's what. I, <laughs> that's how I feel today, folks. And but. We're here. We're going to talk some bees as much as possible. Uh, scratch away some uh, some topics because there is a little bit to talk about. But we keep the weekly hockey talk going. So, real quick though, Dom looks like he needs to do an ice bucket challenge right now or something. He needs to wake <laughs> up. 
Yeah, my grandson wore me out yesterday, and I got the same to look forward to to today. So, <laughs> <Always fun. laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I love seeing you two together. That's amazing stuff. Um, all right, so why don't we just jump in, uh, talk about some bees um, talk uh, last week. Uh, the Boston Bruins announced and Gen Gen general manager Don Sweeney announced uh, that the team made the following changes to their hockey operations staff. Uh, Eight-year veteran um, Jamie Langenbrunner has been named uh, the assistant general manager, so good for Jamie, and player personnel. Uh, really good for Dennis Bondby. Uh, he's been named uh, director of pro scouting. That's a solid right there. Ryan Nadeau has been named director of amateur scouting. Dean Malcock has been named Associate Director of Amateur Scouting. Uh, Darren Yopek uh, has been named Assistant Director of Amateur Scouting. Good for Brett Harkins. He's been named the Head uh, College Scout, taking over for Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, Parker McKay has been named Amateur and College Scout. John McLean, Tom Ford, and David Breen have been named skating and skills consultants uh dustin stuck has been named the head athletic trainer jill robinson has been named head physical therapist scott waugh has been named manager of player rehabilitation chris porter has been named assistant physics physical therapist seth greenberg and natalie johnson have been named massage therapists always got to need a good massage and a happy ending afterwards seth primer has been named data engineer uh dan i can't say his last name is uh named uh developer Bree singh has been named general manager of team operations and lauren mercer has been named manager of team services and hockey administration so a lot of things going on in the boston bruins organization as they gear up for the 22 23 regular season anything that stood out to you guys um uh on those um you know those uh, upgrades to uh, these people in in their current roles. For me, it's Harkin because just seeing where they're gonna go as far as college scouting goes moving forward, because they've had a lot of su uh, success there. I would like to see if it's going to continue that trend or maybe improve. So that's an interesting one for me. Um, yeah, I'm gonna agree with Kevin on Harkins. Um, you know, I've maintained all off season that the Bruins uh, had a lot of off ice moves that they need to, needed to make, not just on ice moves. I think there's some uh, quality people in there, but um, as Kevin said, Harkins uh, is to me the most interesting one. I, I think, I think most fans are iffy on it uh, basically because of his, Twitter feed and some of his uh, tweets that he makes, but you know, he's the one Bruin that's out there on Twitter um, actually tweeting regularly. So um, he has a dry sense of humor sometimes on Twitter and stuff, but let's not undervalue what he's done. My understanding is that he was the, he played the key role in bringing uh, Georgi Merkulov to the Bruins. So, um, uh, McLaughlin as well. So uh, he knows the players. He he has some ins and uh, curious to see where it goes after uh, Fitzgerald left for uh, San Jose. 
Yep, should definitely be interesting on how everybody uh, gets get, fits into their roles. And uh, congratulations to everybody, obviously, um, as we move forward. Uh, the, these all these people are important, whether it be uh, you know some somebody to lean on or for evaluation or that uh, that massage that you need at the end of the game. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, uh, World Juniors. Let's, let's talk about a little bit about the World Juniors that is currently going on up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, great tournament so far. I'm really enjoying these games. Um, maybe not so much the late ones, but still I'm trucking through to watch as much hockey as possible. But I have been paying a lot of attention to the three Boston Bruins prospects. Uh, I, I'm sure we all have on the panel uh, in this tournament. And that is Dan Luckmelis, and he plays for Latvia. And uh, he's got a goal in this tournament in three games. Riley Duran for Team USA. Uh, he's has uh, three games under his belt. And he's got two goals, three assists, five games. And he's having a fantastic <laughs> tournament. And uh, the third one is uh, Fabian Lysel, plays for Team Sweden. And he has a goal, two assists, and three points in two games. Um, so as of right now, Latvia is 0-3 in the tournament. Team USA is 3-0. and And Team Sweden is 2-0. Uh, the Team USA and Sweden both play tonight. It's the late game, so Fabian Lysel versus Riley Duran, and um, and I and Dan's Luckmelis is uh, playing today uh, versus uh, Chechia. So, any thoughts on the tournament this far? Tom, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, um, cautious optimism. Uh, that that's what I'm going to start with my two my first two words is cautious optimism. I don't put a whole lot of stock in the preliminary games because um, they're not facing the greatest competition. Uh, different story for Locke Mellis. You know, I was saying it all last season. This kid looks like he can be a player. His tenacity, his uh, motor, his um, his vision, his his fight through through anything to make things happen, um, but especially his drive to the net. You know, it's something that the Bruins sorely lack at the big club, and I mean, even to a point, they lacked in the AHL last year. <laughs> so it's nice to see a prospect uh, willing to do that. For me, once. Uh, once it's down to the quarterfinals and you're truly facing uh, the best of the best uh, in this tournament, um, that that's where I want to see the guys shine through. Uh, Sweden, they look off to me this year. They really, really do. Um, Lysel's been playing great. Uh, it seems like he's the only one who is regularly um, – driving offense on the squad so i don't know what i don't know whether it's a talent level on team sweden or not uh but something seems off with them right now to me and lock malice well you know it's latvia really don't have a ton of talent the the offense drives between drives through lock malice and maybe one or two others so he's getting a ton of ton of ice time like there's some some games he was like over 19 minutes a game so you ha you have to like what you've been seeing from him you know i'm satisfied with their progression but i want to see 
what they're like in the big games moving forward. And it's a good start tonight uh, between Sweden and Team USA. Yeah, I want to piggyback a little bit off of what you were saying about Duran. Um, one thing that I've enjoyed about his game, um, you know, I have I didn't get to really watch him in Providence, which from what I can tell, he had a very successful rookie season there in Providence. But um, and that's, of course, for college. We're not talking about the AHL. But when I look at his play from what I've seen so far in the tournament, uh, I like his board play a lot. I like that he's not afraid to get physical and use his body when it comes to his board play. Um, he seems good with the puck around the boards. And, you know, one thing I do want to say as well is that he's getting fourth line minutes for that USA team. So I agree with Dom on a sense of the talent he's up against right now isn't, you know, top tier of what he has a chance of seeing in this tournament. But to be on a fourth line and still have the stat line he has, that's promising. That's that's really great to look at. So I'm excited to see what he's doing. And LaSalle's just doing LaSalle things. I mean, that shot that he had um, from the from the goal line and found that found the tiniest little pocket. I mean, I've seen people say bad goaltending this and that, but I mean, the goaltender hugged the post the way he's supposed to. There's a little tiny bit showing. Maybe if he got his head over just a little bit, that little tiny bit wouldn't have been showing. But for LaSalle to be able to pick that small of a pocket, that's you still got to you know give kudos to the player there. Um, and then I haven't been able to see much of Dan's, uh, Dan's Lock Mellis, unfortunately, but um, I, I trust Dom and what he is saying. So I'm just going to. Uh, you know, listen to the uh, guru on that one. So that's what I have to say. I, I, I'm going to touch on Luck Mellis a little bit. Um, he does have a goal, and it was a pretty decent goal off of, off of a rebound and so on. But so he's his net front is is pretty decent um, from what I saw in this tournament so far. But what really uh, grabbed my attention is is his board play um, and how he um, surveys the ice when he's getting like double coverage. And uh, and how quickly he can make a, a, a quick play uh, to you know gravitate to opponent players to him, but m- have the uh, intelligence to get a pass out, uh, continue the cycle, and you know to try to take two players away and open up a little bit of free ice. I like the way he's he moves and, and he skates along the boards. It's something I've I've noticed in the past couple of games that I've watched. Yeah, uh, again, you know when there's only one or two maybe three offensive drivers on 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 a team you know you're going to get the bulk of the ice time and and you know everybody's going to be looking to you for offense on the other hand um the the opposition only has a couple of players to to focus on so he's going to have to fight through that i mean he's still young and um surprised he was on the team this early i thought for sure he would be on the december roster when it when we move into the 2023 uh championships but uh you know kudos to him he's one of the best players on the team so um you know cautious optimism i'm just going to go back back to that and uh you know i always maintain it's one tournament you can't base everything on on one tournament you have to take the the complete package i go back to finland and uh only you and and jesse pulley 
You know, everybody was raw, 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 raw because of their World Junior Championship uh, showing. And, you know, they went where they did in the draft, basically based on that. But Oleo Levy played what? Less than a dozen NHL games. And we all know about Jesse Pugliarvi, you know, so I, I, I just don't put too much into one tournament. No, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. But um, it, sh- it should be uh, interesting to see how these uh, these three prospects uh, move forward in, uh, into these tournaments, and when these game in the games start really, um, you know, mean something. So yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, Dom. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. Next Sunday, August 21st, we are hosting a signing with 1980 Olympic hockey gold medalist Ken Morrow. Take home a Morrow JSA photo or puck starting at just $39. A Miracle on Ice puck for just $44 or a Morrow JSA authenticated jersey with inscription for $99. Please join us Sunday, August 21st at the Cardboard Promotion Show at Dedham. And we will have a table set up from 8.30 to 2.30. On August 25th, we are hosting the return of 1980 Olympic hockey gold medalist and former Bruin Dave Silk. We are accepting send-ins, $29 for flats and pucks, $39 for premium, or pre-order pucks starting at just $39, or JSA authenticated jerseys for $99. To learn more about our dozens of hand-signed Bruins pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week check us out at our facebook page boston sports and music memorabilia or email us directly at boston sports and music at gmail.com and be sure to tune in each week right here to the black and gold hockey podcast let's go all right what else we, um anybody want to talk about something else because i got nothing (laughs) yeah i i actually do want to talk about something and it it goes back to our conversation on the bonus pod where we were talking about lineups now i don't want to go over what our preferred lineups are i think that's something we're going to get into next week but i do want to touch upon jake debrusque and where he should be slotting in to start the season here because there's it's an intriguing situation for the bruins because he is a natural left winger and, you know, while I do want to see the Krejci line, which I assume is going to be Hall and Pasternak on the wings, I do want to see what can happen with a guy like Jake DeBrusque and where he's going to slot in. Is he going to play on that left wing where he's more comfortable and maybe can have a bit more success early on in a top six role? Or is he going to stick to that right wing and see if it works without Marsha in there? So I just want to maybe get your guys' thoughts on what you think would be the best um, – opportunity for him to start the season here i would i would um with Marshan being out on the left side i'd move him over back to the left yeah and then as soon as Marshan comes back just go back to the right hopefully he, he can um you know put the puck in the net and you know create some uh some assists and, and be a a steady player on that on that top line in uh Marshan's absence but um i don't see anybody else that 
that can really rise up to the occasion on the left side on the current lineup right now. I mean, I could be wrong, but then again, yeah, but I'm a little hungover. So on on the right side, the, the last thing I want to do is start messing around with Jake DeBrusque. If the plan is to have Marshan, Bergeron, DeBrusque as a line, it doesn't matter who the the way those three play, especially Marshan and Bergeron. It doesn't matter who the left wing is and who the right wing is because they play the they play the whole surface. So it doesn't matter who left and right is because they're they're interchanging all the time. But I don't want to start DeBrusque on left wing and then all of a sudden move him to right wing a month into the season. Let's put him where we're going to play him and not mess with the kid's head. That's my attitude. If it were me, uh, the easiest solution, if your plan is to keep Hall, Krejci, and Pasternak together, is to put Zaka on the left wing to start with Bergeron and DeBrusque. And then when Marshan comes back, it's one easy move. Move Zaka back to the third line with Coyle and insert Marshan. I do agree. I do agree because that's where I was at last week as well. But let's say... Jim Montgomery chooses that's not the route he wants to go. So what I was thinking was last season, Jake DeBrusque was playing left wing, left wing through and through. And then when he made that switch over to the right wing, instant, it was instant, the way he was able to just gel with Martian and Bergeron. So in my mind, I'm wondering if that same process can happen this season where he starts off on the left wing in a top six role, still playing alongside a guy like uh, Patrice Bergeron and, um, you know, just being able to still have those minutes, still be able to play with them. And then once Martian comes back, make the switch seamless. But who I, are you, I, I who are you putting on the right wing though? That's where it becomes tricky. Now, if Craig Smith is still here, you could possibly roll back that Taylor Hall, David Krejci, Craig Smith line to start. You could, you know, if that's where a, a route they decided they want to go and then have a DeBrusque, Bergeron, Pasternak line as well. I mean, you could do that but, if you really want it. But to. now you're messing three lines, and I don't think Montgomery wants to do that. I, I don't think the plan is to tinker with three lines. It's to get chemistry with these guys and get it as quickly as possible. Um, I agree. I agree. Let's, let's I'm just kind of thinking of David Krejci has not played in the NHL for over a year. So, nope. you know, he has chemistry with Taylor Hall. Uh, you know, he has chemistry with David Pasternak. Uh, we don't know if they have chemistry as a threesome. So do you want to play them apart for a month and then all of a sudden throw them together and then have them find that chemistry? Personally, no. No, and I, I don't think the Bruins' plan is to do that. I think they have an idea what their lines are, and they're going to as few as possible. And I think the easiest way to do that is Zaka on the left wing and Marchand's spot and then move him back. Yeah. <laughs> I think now, that, too, will give Zaka some confidence. You know, move, I mean, what better player to play with than, than Patrice Bergeron? if eventually he's going to play down the middle. Which could be as soon as next season. Right. Um, you know, 
because I don't foresee David Krejci. Well, honestly, I'm going to be honest here. I think there's a chance of David Krejci playing <coughs> next season more than Patrice Bergeron. And that's just my thought. That's just my thought. Cause I think this is Patrice's last year. I think after this, he's going to be done. I, I don't know how much of that weighs on health or how much of that weighs on family, but I think a lot of it's going to weigh on family and just being like, okay, I've done, I've done a lot here. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've went from being an 18 year old, you know, busting into the league to now being, he's going to be what? 38 next season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think this will be his final go around. Now, David Krejci is a year younger. I could see him maybe saying to himself, okay, I want to help the Bruins usher in that next, um, you know, wave of centers. So maybe Zaka gets a, uh, gets in there and Krejci's still there, you know, to help kind of ease it into the next season where maybe they have somebody that they can stick in there and the retool can go a little bit smoother. I mean, I don't know. That's just my thought. I, I don't know where you guys may be at with that. That all depends on if Zaka stays too, because he's only signed for one year. Uh, so it's a real, it's a, it's a, it's a show me year that, you know, Hey, if you want the multi-year deal that we all thought that he was going to get, you know, he's going to have to work for it. Definitely going to have to work for it. And, and I agree with the, uh, the idea of putting Zaka on the left line. I totally forgot about, uh, about uh, Pavel. Sorry, folks. Like I said, a little hungover this morning, a little hung cheese, but um, uh, you know, I, that would be a good uh, confidence booster for him. I do agree with that. And, and that's I'll why those were my lines, you know. I'll, I'll go on record and say that uh, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci will both be back next season. Ooh. Wow. I, I like hope it. you're right on that one. I like it. That's my uh, – let's put it this way. If they had signed – they, they weren't capable of signing a two-year deal this year because um, – then they wouldn't be able to do the the performance bonus contracts like they did. So right. it's year to year uh, moving forward. But I think they'll both be back. But it all depends on what type of season they have. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if they're both back, and um, you know, so from what I, from what we're all kind of oh. hearing is Zaka does want to stay with the Bruins past this season. He's already mentioned it. Yeah. Um, now. If that were to happen and you have both Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci back, do you possibly looking look at moving a guy like Charlie Coyle and allowing Pavel Zaka to get that center spot on the third line? I would. Yeah, I, I agree. 100%. It, it all depends on the kind of season that, uh, that the two of them have. Now, Charlie Coyle comes out and has a, a a good season, a very good season by his standards. How much of that is Charlie Coyle and how much of that is having um, Pavel Zak on his left or quite possible long shot Fabian Lysel on his right? Uh, yeah. Like you have to determine how much is, the, is it the player's own doing and how much is it because of the players he's been put with. Yep. Uh, it's like, you know, Marcus Johansson. Coyle had his best time playing with uh, with Marcus Johansson. The idea of a Zaka Coyle Lasalle line makes me uh, a little bit warm and fuzzy inside. 
Yeah, a little, a little, just a little bit. That sounds uh, that sounds very enticing. I mean, when you have a, a guy like LaSalle who can shoot the way he can, even though he is kind of a pass-first guy who looks to be more of a playmaker, he still has a really nice shot. And you got have a guy like Pavel Zaka who also is that type of player where he can shoot very well, but he's more of that guy who wants to make the pass. But then you have Coyle, the guy in the middle, who's – going to be the one who's keeping that control of the puck in the offensive zone. Um, it, The idea of that line makes a lot of sense. It, it could um, pay a lot of dividends for every player involved. Um, that'd be interesting. And like Dom said, that's a, you know, kind of a long shot of course, because, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with a guy like uh, Lucelle coming into this season. We do know he will start in Providence. Um Obviously, if, you know, if he comes out and has like the craziest camp ever, you never know. I'm never going to say never, but um, I definitely foresee him playing in Providence. And I mean, but injuries happen. If an injury happens and he gets brought up and he just looks so good that you can't send him down. I mean, shit, you got something good there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all for like giving a player a full year in Providence. It's just kind of my, 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 my rule, my personal kind of rule. I really like to see them learn that way. I know that it's been done in the past that they come out of juniors and go in and come out of college and go in, but um, with just by way the roster constructs is constructed and so on. Um, and it remains to be seen how Jim Montgomery is going to actually orchestrate that roster. But, you know, if, if he makes it all the best for him, I'm, I'm you know, it, it'd be a great moment for the kid. And, mm. but um, I also don't, don't want to rush. I, I, I don't want to rush prospects and, you know, and then cause, because then you get narratives uh, from the fans that are like, you know, oh, we now we need to get every prospect in the NHL as soon as possible and blah, 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 blah. And it just gets to be a, a real mess online, believe it or not. Although, Mark, I can see, you know, sticking with, with what you just said, I can see a David Pasternak path where he starts in the A, goes to the World Juniors in, in December, and then comes back to the, the big club. Let's remember he can play nine games without uh, burning a year off his off his entry level contract. Right. So, like Pasternak, come back after the World Juniors and prove that he belongs and and stays with the big club. Yeah, he, he's gonna have he's gonna have to have a real big uh, prospect challenge and and a, a rookie camp. And uh, and NHL training camp to uh, to show that he he belongs and, and he wants to fight for that spot. But on, on the other on the flip side of that coin, those players on the right side that you know are veterans and have been around the team for a long time are going to have competition. You know this guy this kid's going to want to earn a spot, and you know those guys don't want to lose a spot. So it's good, healthy internal competition for you know that roster. Now I have a quick question for the both of you. Can Fabian LaSalle play the left side as well? I don't know. Um, I saw him listed yeah. as a left wing in some places. He has so in junior, uh, but I wouldn't say it was a whole hell of a lot. It's like, you know, I seen a shift here and a shift there, but I can't recall where he started and, and played a game entirely on the left side. Yeah. Yeah, because I look at the Bruins' depth when it comes to where the organization is going in the future. You have Taylor Hall, who is, you know, I believe still 30. Did he turn 31? 
Or is he still 30? Uh, no, still 30. Yeah, still 30. So he's 30. Marshan, 34. Um, and who do they have in the pipeline, you know, for left wing, other than Jake DeBrus there, um, who's currently looks like playing right wing. So, what they well, got? I mean, they have guys that can play multi, multiple positions. So, um, we talked to Matthew Poitra last week who can play all three positions, although he's a natural center and probably better on the right side than the left side. But, um, a guy like uh, Brett Harrison, uh, again, can play center or left wing. He's played a lot of left wing. He's even played some right wing um, and even the point on the power play. So they have these multiple positional uh, players that can play either center or the wing. So um, are the elite level? No, um, but you know, they're some of the Bruins' top prospects. Now, if LaSalle could possibly make that switch to left wing, though, he, the Bruins would be in a good position of having a stud left winger, and then they also have David Pasternak also on the right side being the stud right winger. Imagine, I, I just imagine a line in the future of maybe LaSalle, you know, maybe if Zaka gets it together at center, Zaka and Pasternak, or maybe even Merkulov in the middle of them, that that makes me feel pretty good inside. But I think Lissell will most likely end up being on the right wing for this organization. But um, if he could make that jump to left wing and play just as well, my God, that'd be a great situation to have. I'll, I'll tell you, I think Poitras' game and Lysel's game, <clears throat> the, the way those two play, and the style of game they play, uh, that those two would be an interesting duo. I've always been a believer of finding duos and then a third guy to, to fit in. It's it's always been Marshan and Bergeron, find somebody to, to fit in. With Krejci, you know, for a while it was uh, Milan Lucic, and then it was Jake DeBrusque, and then finding that third guy. So... When I look at lines, I look at finding your duos and, and then finding the third guy that's a fit. But I, I'm really curious. Uh, I, I hope at the Prospects Challenge we get to see Quattro and myself together because I think those two would be an interesting mix. Yeah, yeah that would be fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, don't forget, uh, I was just looking on uh, Elite Prospects because I needed to find out left shot, right shot, and uh, John Beecher's can um, as a left shot, so he can uh, play the left side if needed. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's thin, but the play is there. Like, Merkulov is, can play the left side as well, if, you know, and, and up the middle, so... It's all. It's always good to have those versatile forwards, and and the Bruins seem to really have a knack for finding those types of players. That if it doesn't work at a certain area, or the or the depth at a certain area is just so extensive that we can possibly move you to another area and find value uh, on a line in just a different position. So uh, I like I like the way that they've done that over the seasons. You know. All right. Um, why don't we hear from Bet Online, the uh, awesome Bet Online. Dot .ag website uh please uh, gamble safe if you do happen to go on there and use that promo code CLNS50 we'd certainly appreciate it so we'll uh we'll talk on the other side 
BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline.ag continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to the BetOnline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, Beast fans, we're back talking Boston Bruins hockey. We just heard from uh, show sponsor BetOnline.ag. Uh, NFL football starts September 8th. Uh, the Red Sox have three games versus Pittsburgh this week and three games versus the Orioles on the weekend. So if you want to get your gamble on that way, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, NFL futures are always there. And BMW Championship, uh, they're playing at the Wilmington Country Club from August 18th to the 21st. So if you like to bet on golf like I do, uh, check it out. So uh, use that promo code because it really helps us uh, pay the bills here. All right, we are back, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about David Krejci and the realistic expectations of um, of this player, a veteran player that's been out of the league for over a year. And, you know, with with him being away overseas, and where do we really see David in, in point production? And obviously I kind of have a feeling he's going to be that second line center. I think that's why they got the, the, uh, the player here. Um, but where, where do we sit with, with, um, with, you know, point production and cause he, we, we know that uh, Taylor Hall is going to drive the line. Krejci is not going to drive the line. He's going to be the setup guy and so on. Uh, but where do we see him in uh, points? So, when I look at David Krejci, um, he's a year removed from the NHL, of course, but I don't think it's going to take him long to really get going. I think after a solid um, training camp and preseason, he's going to be ready to go. Um, he's, he's The hockey IQ on this guy is through the charts. Um, his, his playmaking abilities are is absolutely unbelievable, and if we are correct in our assumption, having Taylor Hall and David Pasenak on your wings, I mean – there's no reason why he's not going to succeed. Um, I foresee him, you know, getting top power play minutes um, just because of how good he is with moving that puck. Um, I foresee him being able, and I, I think that line's going to be the top line for the Bruins. So I, I foresee him getting somewhere in the 70 to 85 point range next to those two players. It's a lot to agree with there. Um, and I'm with Kevin. I, we touched a bit about it last week. You know, when I asked you to, which one is your number one line? And I think in in point production, if the lines play out the way we think they will, Hall, Krejci, and Pasternak will outproduce Bergeron's line. Um, and like Kevin said, like the, the skills that made David Krejci elite at what he did don't diminish – uh, as quickly as some of the others. David Krejci was never an elite skater. Um, what he was able to do is slow the game down using his head, using his brains, and dishing out perfect tape-to-tape passes, saucer passes, flat on the ice, 
you name it, he did it. If he was a, if he had been an elite skater through his career, I would say, yeah, he's he's slowed down a little bit. But I don't I don't think the the game that made that made him successful is diminished as much as some people are making it out to be, uh, because those skills take a a little bit longer to to diminish with age. So um, I haven't really thought about point production what he can produce you know but i i i might agree with uh what the numbers kevin threw out um but he's gonna be more assist heavy like he's always been especially playing with uh with hall and and pasternak um i even i think even more so than we're accustomed to seeing with with david Krejci. yeah i mean i i'm i'm on board with the whole assist machine that he is and i i could I'd be happy if he had 15 goals and and 45 assists. You know that that's a that's a solid year in my opinion for David Krejci. And I, I remember there was one year that he got 19 goals and he had you know uh, 50 some odd assists. So it's not out of the the realm of thinking that you know he's um he's gonna definitely definitely out assist his goals, especially with the two people on on that line, the left and the right mm-hmm. side. I foresee 21 goals, 57 assists for David Krejci this upcoming season. That's my that's my solid prediction. Nice. And that's a lot more than anybody could could have expected, right? Sure. Uh, the other thing I see with with those two is, um, like Pasternak has his moments, but with Hall and Krejci, you got two guys that are beasts on zone entry. <laughs> Pasternak sometimes tries to take on too many at once and it it causes problems for him. But you know what? He doesn't have to be the zone entry guy on, on that line now. Leave it to Hall and leave it to Krejci to gain the zone and you find that open ice because those two are going to get you the puck. Yeah. I mean, his assist numbers could be yeah. even better than what I'm saying because yeah. I foresee Taylor Hall scoring 30 this season playing with those two. And if a guy like David Pasternak hits 50 goals on that line, you, I mean, whether it's on, whether that's on the power play or at even strength, I mean, there'll be a combination between the two. David Krejci is going to have his fingers on a lot of those goals. I mean, between the two of them, I mean, I just don't see any way David Krejci doesn't, at least break 70 points. I just don't see how it's possible with who he's going to be playing with the position he's going to be in um, as far as minutes and um, you know, his uh, power play minutes. It's, it doesn't seem like it's something inconceivable to me. It's just almost like a foregone conclusion in my mind. There you go. Well, can, can we swing to the power play Mark for a minute? Yeah. Because Kevin's brought it up a couple of times. Go for it, bud. Over the over the years, under under Cassidy, it's always been basically the outdated perfection line. You know, David Krejci on the point, or um, or whoever. It, it's always been a mix of of those three guys. Now, when Marshan's healthy, you got two lines that are capable of offense. So. Do you keep the lines together and and even up the power play at let's say a minute apiece instead of 
trying to keep the perfection line out there for a minute 30 and, and the second unit only getting 30 seconds like how how would you guys handle that oh, do you want to start mark yeah I, i'll go um i like the idea of splitting that up so uh one one group can go out and while the other can can rest on the on the power play that's not a bad idea you also don't want to wear out on uh players on the man advantage either um especially with the aging veterans and so on so no i totally can get that if they split it up and and not be out there for the full two my first power play unit is going to be um taylor hall david krejci uh david pasenak charlie mcavoy uh, and this is when everyone's healthy of course uh charlie mcavoy and pavel zaka my reason for Pavel Zaka is I want him net front. I think he's got a good size to his body, and he's got good hands where in and around the net he could be a force. Um, that, for me, is my first unit. My second unit is Patrice Bergeron. Um, and, and these can interchange, too. Like, you can have, you know, this is the luxury of having this. It's kind of like a 1A, 1B power play. Um, you can have um, Marshan. DeBrusque and Bergeron, and then you can have Lindholm and um, pick your poison at that point. You know who you who you want to throw in there um, to complement that. But those are two very good power play units. I mean, that's that's going to be um, very interesting to see how it plays out. But that's the route I'm going. We saw Cassidy last year um, use two defensemen on the second half of the of the power play so that they're not caught with the only one defenseman out there when the when the pp expires and knowing john gruden who will be working with the with the power play um he has tended to do the same thing so if if mcavoy's your number one uh power play defenseman who do you have on the second unit? If Jack Ashan makes it in there and is <laughs> a you know proves to be a good viable force, I'm doing a Lynn Holm and Ashan. What even when everybody's healthy, how are you getting Ashan into the lineup? That's just the thing. I mean, like we talked about last uh, last week, if Ashan is proving to be everything you want him to be. But if that's not the route it goes, go Grizzlick and Lindholm. Yeah, I was gonna say Lindholm's gonna get gonna get in there as well. He's just uh, he's he's good mobile. I think he can play well on the power play. Um, yeah, and um, you guys aren't, aren't full on board with like a, a full power play of forwards, right? We've seen, so, we've seen so full. many. We've seen so many teams do it um, in the past and and currently, but. I was just curious on on your thought. <laughs> not when but you if have you're second defenseman, not when you have yeah. an elite defenseman back there, no. right? Now, if your second unit though consists of Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, do you really have to have the two defensemen there? I mean, that's a question we should ask. Um, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, who's your fourth forward then? All right, so it could be a Charlie Coyle. I think a Charlie Coyle with his puck possession skills, you know, could be a good one to throw in there with them. Jake DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle, 
Um, Patrice Bergeron, Brad, Brad Martian, and Hampus Lindholm. Okay. <laughs> That's all Dom's going to say is okay. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. But it's like you said earlier, guys. It, it's There's options there. And I don't think over the past few years there have been many options. I mean, the Bruins' second power play unit has been almost non-existent for like almost two years. And, you know, we heard Sweeney talk about managing uh, Patrice Bergeron's minutes, managing uh, David Krejci's minutes, because, you know, they're getting up there in age. So uh, do you want Patrice Bergeron out there for a minute and a half on the power play? So you need two viable options to to put out there. And, and, uh, Krejci gives them that. So I'm just curious how they do it. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, it's interchangeable. There's so many ways they can do it. They could overload one and go that route if they really want to. But I think our idea here of um, breaking that up and having two very strong power plays is going to pay dividends. I mean, yep. if, let's say, let's say you throw out the Bergeron Martian one first, let's say you throw that one out there first and they have that heavy, control maybe they don't score but a minute in you got some tired pk guys out there who can't yeah. go come off and then you start changing them out one by one and all of a sudden out of nowhere you have david Krejci, taylor hall and david pasenak out there with some tired pp guys uh, uh pk guys shit <laughs> a lot can happen there i mean it's um it's a lot of people i i see are you know kind of down on this bruins team saying oh i don't care they're not going to do anything but they have a very very dangerous team when healthy and it's all about getting to that point of when healthy but i think they have the type of team that can definitely stay above water until um they really are healthy and ready to go i mean that's um it's it's a very dangerous team that they have there offensively for sure um defensively defensively too now i see you both have your coaching hats on so here here's where we go to when it comes to the power play is zone entries and we know hall and Krejci are dynamic when it comes to zone entries. Um, so here's my thing with the, with the Bergeron unit, if it's how we discussed it, because you suggested McAvoy on the unit with Krejci who becomes the, because I'll be honest with you guys. I, when I see David Pasternak skating up the ice and, trying to gain the zone, I have no confidence in it whatsoever. No, nope, The turnovers are terrible. Get into so, position, shoot the puck, David. That's what I want from you. Yeah. So who on that unit now becomes the zone entry guy? It's Taylor got Hall. It. Yeah. No, no. On the Bergeron unit. Oh. Oh, on the okay. So Pasenak's not on that unit, though, that I discussed. Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep thinking back to last year. It's, okay, yeah, so, it's, but it's the unit you discussed. Who becomes the zone entry guy? I'd say it's either Lindholm or Martian. I would have to go with Lindholm on that unit. That's my first choice. Even even before Marshan. Uh Because Marshan has been prone to turn it over more times than what we expect, right? So, yeah. <laughs> 
You're not yeah. lying. <laughs> no, not, not at all. It's, it, it is frustrating when you see a guy with that speed cross that blue line and, and, and look for a pass, but there's basically nobody there. And the opposing just takes it the other way. It's just, yep. I mean, Marshan's a really skilled player, fast player, and in and, and a world talent, one of the best left wingers in the in the game today. But I mean, he's prone to his mistakes as well. You know, that's the type of line, uh, power play line, where I want to see Hampus Lindholm get it to where he can dump the puck in, and I want to see a dump and chase model there. I think Marshan can get in there quick. Regardless of the hips, I think he can get in there quick. DeBrus can definitely get in there quick with his jets. Um, and Patrice Bergeron can get right into that bumper, which will allow uh, Lindholm and, um, you know, Coyle to get in there as well. Now, where they match up, I have no idea. Do they stick Coyle on, um, you know, a wing there? Or how do they do it? Because I don't foresee it being Coyle, Lindholm on the blue line there. I think it would be. No, I think Coyle. Coil would have to become your net front, no? I think so. I think so, yeah. So if Coil's your net front, DeBrusque is playing the right side. Um, I mean – And you, uh, want a I, left, I, you want a left shot at the side of the net. Yeah, I, I think – I put Marsh in, I put Marsh in on um, that point with uh, Lindholm, though, on that left side. I mean, sorry, uh, he would have to be on the right side because Lindholm – Shit, yeah, does this work? Then, yeah, no, it does because Marshan <laughs> likes to work likes to work the half wall on the right side, right? So right. from the right point, he can easily move move to um, the half wall, just like Pasternak, like the left point uh, yep. with McAvoy, so he can get to to his uh, shooting position uh, on the left base off circle. That would and, leave Bergeron for the bumper, and it would leave yeah. um, uh, DeBrus for the left side wall. Now, I don't have a, a, a solid case for all the players that you guys are talking about, but I want to go back to what Kevin was saying. You'd like to see a more of a dump and chase kind of play involved this year. My thing about the dump and chase is you have to put t- uh, players together <laughs> that are good puck retrievals. Because I thought that last year and even the year before that, the puck retrievals – were uh, pretty bad in my opinion you know getting the puck in deep and so on is all good but if you're just basically just uh handing it to the other player and uh, the opposition and they're transitioning out quickly that's a wasted play wasted energy and a wasted line in my opinion so if you can't if you can't get it in there and dump it in and, and at least make a a better effort to to possess the puck in the offensive zone then what's the point well, I think Kevin was just alluding to the Bergeron power play unit, and yeah. I think he nailed it that Marshan and DeBrusque uh, are both very good at getting in there for puck tr- retrieval. I don't, I don't think you. I could be wrong, but I don't think he was suggesting on five on five play. Okay. No, you're right. I wasn't. I was just suggesting that one power play unit um, because we were trying to figure out like who's going to be able to get the zone entries there. And while I think I think Lindholm is a good transition guy, I think he's good at being able to kind of um, get the play going through the neutral zone. I'm not sure how he's really going to be able to do on entering the zone himself and being able to set something up. And that's some that's that's an area where the Bruins have kind of really struggled on the power play in general, is being able to you know get into the zone and set up well. Um, you know, so I see a line like that, the dump and chase mentality being kind of perfect, maybe 
catch him off guard here and there with uh, a Martian zone entry because he doesn't always cough up the puck, which is good. But the amount that he does is scary as shit. Um, so for that one, it works. But for a line with David Pasternak and David Krejci and Taylor Hall being the forefront of that power play unit, I, I foresee Taylor Hall was very responsible with the puck, being able to do very well uh, transitioning the puck from the neutral zone into the offensive zone and allowing things to really set up. So that's just where I'm at on that. But as far as overall five on five play, that's interesting. I mean, that's something to talk about too. How do they look at their transition and how they're going to be able to get into that zone and set up because they do cough up the puck a lot at the blue line. And that's pretty scary. Where are we going now, guys? Should we just uh, call it a day? I, well, no. Why? Well, I, I got. I gotta say something about okay. Uh, Lock Mellis there for because when we started talking power play, it uh, it just popped into my head. First game in the World Junior Championships where two on one came down on him, and this is an eighteen year old kid. Okay, uh, he's the lone man back. He's a forward and played the two-on-one two perfectly, perfectly. They, they still scored on him, but um, it, it's not for the lack of effort and, uh, and the fact that he played it perfectly. So, I, you know, I forgot to mention that earlier, but when Kevin started talking power play, I thought that play came immediately to my mind. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to this a little bit, um, talk about Fabian Lysel. Um, there seems to be some confusion going on. Um, Elite Prospects has them has him listed as uh, possibly going back to uh, the WHL. And I, I don't know if that's completely true. So, Dom, I want to show you this uh, that I screenshotted. And they, they actually have him for 22-23 listed there. So is this just because he's eligible to go back there as of right now in the offseason and not he's, like? <laughs> he's eligible to go back, and he's still technically a Vancouver Giant until the Bruins recall him either to Providence or, or to Boston. Okay. Now so- – that said, um, I know he's not going back because the Giants made some moves and they would have to clear an import spot to get Lysel back in Vancouver. So, I mean, they just filled his spot with, I forget who now, he just got drafted this year <coughs> uh, into the NHL. But his spot's been filled. But he is still technically a Vancouver giant until the Bruins do an official recall. Yeah. So once that transaction happens, yeah. then elite prospects will update that. Yeah. Okay. Cause there's a lot of people coming at me saying that, um, no, you're wrong. He's going yeah. back. He's definitely going back. It's listed right here. But I was just like, uh, I mean, he is eligible to play, but the way that everybody has been talking lately is it's either Providence or the NHL. Yeah. I don't, I, mean, I don't, I, he could go back. It would take, and let's not forget, um, his general manager uh, in Vancouver works for the agency that represents Fabian Lysel. So uh, if the Bruins said, you know, we got to fit him back in Vancouver, uh, they will fit him back in. Right. Either it's in Vancouver or they trade his rights someplace, someplace else. 
That's why you're the best, sir. Oh, I'm not the best. I just well, come on, I gotta I like, pump your tires, Dom. Take I just it. like <laughs> reading all that nerdy stuff, like an 800-page collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> you know. Someone's got to do it, not me. <laughs> absolutely. May as well I'm, be me then, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The one guy in the group. <laughs> all right. All right. Anything else you guys want to um, talk about or just uh, call it a day? I don't know. Dom looks like he's ready to fall asleep, so. Oh, no, I got to go get lunch ready for my grandson. Uh, in two weeks, I'm taking him to the Ripley's Aquarium in Toronto, so I want to show him pictures of that. Nice. Um, you get to actually walk through a tube and have sharks swim up to you and stuff. It looks really amazing, so that's awesome. you'll be excited. All right, boys. Let's uh, let's call this uh, a, an episode. This is uh, episode two ninety one, and uh, it's in the books. I want to thank everybody for uh, <laughs> suffering through. Uh, I know I haven't been the on on my game today, but uh, you know it's 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 the off season. It's it was a gorgeous weekend, so uh, grilled food and drinks were happening yesterday, and I'm paying the price today. So uh, I want to thank everybody for obviously uh, you know the the support, listening, downloads. The, the retweeting, the sharing, the the, the interactions have been amazing. Uh, we also we all we have a Discord um, server that we we want to get more people on and, and get the hockey talk rolling. So if you want to get on that, please send me a uh, an, um, a DM on the tweet machine. And we also have a uh, a phone number for to leave a voicemail for a Bruins related question or a topic that we should be discussing. And you can get that phone number at 978-504-2727. We'd certainly love to get some um, some voicemails uh, into um, into the program and, and maybe start a weekly segment with uh, with uh, with that type of thing. Maybe I'll get Maria from Watertown to uh, to start doing uh, weekly freaking uh, call-ins. <laughs> <laughs> that that just gave me idea for the second power play unit, 27-27. Just clone Hampus Lindholm, <laughs> and we're all set. I love it. That's my favorite number, by the way. That's why I chose it for the for the number. Because I, I did wear 27 when I was a goaltender after Ron Hextall, and uh, I yeah. do wear 27 as a right winger, so... There you go. Good old Glenn Murray. Yeah, absolutely. Muzz. All right, folks. That is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Allred, the host, and that is Kevin O'Keefe, and that is Mr. Dontiano. We'll be back next week for some more Boston Bruins hockey talk, and maybe hopefully we'll have a a little bit more news to talk about. Um, And we'll uh, obviously give an update of what's been going on with the World Juniors and um, until then. So, Uh, With that being said, have a great weekend. Have a great week. And uh, please be safe, everybody. Peace out. Peace out. Georgi Merkulov. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod.com 
at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Mm-hmm.